privilege and pleasure to um, be here to, again, we have been before, and um, it, it's one of those things that you, we love to do, um, is be part of Elim here, as we are part of Elim there. We, I was just saying before the, the meeting that um, uh, we recently uh, finished 42 years in senior ministry in Elim, and um, you just kind of wonder, you know, what the next thing is. I never thought of finishing. I don't think we should ever finish. Um, it was what, what next? And uh, when we finished leading the church, uh, we returned to our home country of Wales. And that has been a real blessing because we're now part of the Swansea City Church and Elim Church in Swansea, um, growing all the time. 40, is it 42 different nationalities in the church? Um, and so it's lively. You can imagine because the Africans and the Iranians and all. And we're seeing people saved because Swansea is a an as, uh, asylum city um, for those looking to get out of terrible situations. And uh, a lot of the Iranians are coming and getting saved uh, virtually every week. And they're finding Jesus and they're finding new life. And the church buzzes with that because this is an international move of God. Uh, because he, he, he's interested in the world, not just our personal locality. And you've got to see yourself as part of the big picture. That sometimes we get really locked down into you know, our little place. But we're part of something very big. The body of Christ is global. And uh, we are only a small part of that. But... When you realize that you're part of something God is doing in a revolutionary way, your vision gets bigger. Your hopes and dreams grow. And something has to happen inside, which is where we're going to look this, this morning at who are we by habit? What are we by who and what we do? So I want to look at that this morning and... Um, take you through some of those thoughts. Now, the first scripture I wanted to share with you, and you'll have some of the key ones on your handout notes, where it says in Proverbs 23, do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. As you think, you become. You don't understand at the time. You are not sure at the time what is happening to you because it's just a small moment of your life. But the moment that one thought takes root in who you are, you become that. And when you become that, you feed that. And the more that you feed it, the bigger it becomes. Any dieter will tell you that. The, <laughs> the more you feed it, the bigger you get. And it's true in all manner and levels of who you are. Feed yourself the wrong things, your life will be wrong. Feed yourself the right things, your life will be right. And God has got food for the soul that turns you into the new person Christ called you to be. You see, you got saved and you were called a new person, a new creature in Christ Jesus. But that new person had to grow by good food, good spiritual input. And when you practice things that are good for you, that goodness of God has the freedom in you to make you who Jesus sees you to be. 
Without that, you're trying to build yourself. And that really is quite disastrous. But going back to this verse, and the verse is often quoted um, by way of the, the suggestion of habit forming, but it's far more than that. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. That little bit is often quoted, but the background to that has to do with the man that we're warned not to engage with, the miser, the one who is only about himself. Only He's not interested in you. He's not interested in you bettering. He's not interested in you growing. He's interested in what he can get and what he can take. And he may tease you with delicacies, but his ultimate goal is to reap from you, not give to you. And if you understand who that might be in the spirit, you'll get the picture that God is a giver and Satan's a taker. And he will entice you. With things that you think, well, that's nice, that sounds okay. It won't do any harm. What possible wrong could that cause? But what you don't know is the underlying destructiveness of it is that the heart of the enemy is against you. But the heart of God is for you. And when you take note of the heart of God, the good things of God better you and grow you and develop you. Listen to this verse from Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You'll never understand why you think sometimes the way you do. You'll never understand why those erroneous thoughts slip into your head. The subliminal messages that come through all the different medias that we deal with today. And you can wake up one morning and think, where did that thought come from? Where did that feeling grow from? And you, you think of things, you think, I wouldn't have thought like that some time ago. But the subliminal messages that are bombarding us day and night are there to change your habits. The multimedia world of advertising wants to change your habit. Eat this, buy that, use the other. Go here, go there, don't do that, do it our way. Sign up to us, put your name on the line, become part of the global family of consumers and it starts to eat away at you and you realize that they're after you. It is the delicacies of the miser. Satan is a miser. He's all about himself and self-gain and wants to use anyone he can influence. It says, do not eat. Do not eat the bread of the miser. Well, we know from the scripture that Jesus is the bread of life. There's better bread out there. There's better bread for you today than the bread of the miser. heart is deceitful. And in Proverbs 4, it says, above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Whatever comes up out of it is where you have tapped into. If you want sewerage to come out of your main faucet, if you want all the crud and all the horrible terrible stuff that comes out of the depth of the, the, the pit, then you open the tap that says selfishness, evil, uh, enemies, delicacies. You open that tap, you're going to have a problem with ever shutting it off again. But God knows how to stop that and let good water flow and let fresh stuff come into you. And we have the choice 
choose you this day whom you will serve. So I challenge you this morning, make a choice. It's not going to just walk into your life one day. It's not going to knock on your front door. It's not going to come and say, hey, I've just decided you're going to be a great person for the rest of your life. You have to choose who you serve. And do it daily. Choose you this day. You say, oh, well, today's Sunday. I choose to serve the Lord. I've come to church. I'll be good today. Well, what about Monday? What about all the other days? There should be no difference to our lifestyle on a Sunday to any other day of the week. You can't just clean up for Sunday. When I was a kid, you had to go, put your best clothes on. You're going to church. Spruce yourself up. You look good. And you get there and they go, gosh, you're looking good. Your kids look all shiny. We used to shine our kids up. We used to buff them up. Because pastor's kids can be most embarrassing. More than anyone else that you ever know. Because they will just come out with something at the most inappropriate moment. And nobody blames them. They blame you. You take all the flack for their presumptuousness but we're not to buff ourselves up for Sunday you don't just polish your soul on a Sunday you worship at his footstool you worship where you commune with God 24-7 even your dreams can be holy while you sleep the miser's heart as he thinks, his attitude becomes his habit. Because how you think and how I think will become our habit. And it's the habits of a lifetime. And this man that's featured here in this text, he has been developing this miserly nature through a constant practice of meanness. I want to say that again so that it just sinks into us. He has practiced a lifetime of meanness. And it became who he was. And he has nothing to give, only to take. It has now become the heart of the man. And when something is practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced, it becomes the heart of a person. And the heart of a person is who you are. And the heart is deceitful. It will tell you it's all right. It won't hurt, but it does. And we're, ca we're capable of developing our nature to fit our passions. Because we have free will. God is not going to make you do anything. You can't get on your knees and say, oh God, make me a better person. He's only going to turn around and say, well, I've provided everything that that entails. I've given you my son. He has conquered. He has risen. He's enthroned. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He intercedes before me for you. Every minute of every day of your life, my son is talking about you in good terms. He's interceding. And you are unraveling it all by the way you think. So come on, change your heart. It's deceitful. It's telling you you're doing all right when you're not. Above all else, guard it. Is this good, God? Is this scriptural? Is this beneficial? Will this grow me? Will this make me a better person in you? Will this help me be who you have called me to be? Check your heart. 
because it tends to be deceitful and out of it springs the rest of your life. And so the way we end up living will always start in the soil of who we are. Plant anything in good soil, it has a jolly good chance of coming up well. But if the soil is contaminated, then that which fruits from it will be nothing worth having. So renew your heart. Your heart is your, demo, your emotions and on all your desires. When it talks about the heart of a man, it's who you essentially are. Every desire, every thought, every feeling, every spiritual and mental approach to life is your heart. It's not, it's not this, this muscle here. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about this. This is just a pump. This pumps your blood around your body. If I said to Linda when I fell in love with her, oh, I love you with all my pump. She, <laughs> I mean, I don't, think we, I don't think we'd be married and have three beautiful girls. I mean, if I just wooed her, oh, my pump just loves you. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't have the ring to it. But when I say I love you with all my heart, I'm telling her there is not one part of me that isn't devoted to you. Now turn that towards God. Can you honestly say there's not one part of me that isn't devoted to you? And many of us would hang our heads in shame and say, Lord, help me. I believe. Help my unbelief. And it's a good place to be, recognizing that we need help from the Lord. So we look to him from where our help comes. Somebody said it takes about 21 days for a habit to form, and that's not quite accurate. It'll take far more than that, but it does develop over time. And it's that I want to ask you to think about because those are the things that really establish where we end up on the journey. And we can be good habits or bad habits. The process is exactly the same. So the choice is always ours, good or bad. The first thing I want to share with you is the root four, four steps of developing the right things. First of all, and remember, this will work on either side, good or bad. First of all, there has to be consistency. And that has to be followed then by desire. And then you will find you are introduced to discipline. And then you have the love of. And that is the steps that it takes to form a habit. Until that habit is so ingrained, it is who you are. So let me break those down for you briefly this morning. Consistency. These habits form after a period of constant practice. I practice that, I practice that, I practice that, I practice that, until it becomes second nature. And when it's become second nature, it's a short step to becoming your nature. When I was a youngster, I wanted to learn the guitar. And so I practiced and practiced and practiced. And I, was, I thought, I'll never get this. My fingers were all cracked and sore. Uh, every time I touched the strings, they would hurt. And then suddenly, over a period of time, I thought they don't hurt anymore. They had got used to it. And then I began to move my hands in a more flexible way. There was, I'm trying to teach my grandson. When we see him, I just as yesterday, oh, I got my guitar. Papa, please teach me some chords. And, and he was like, one, two, three. Uh, now change it to a G. One, 
change try 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 back to see and he said it doesn't sound the same i said practice one day you you'll get it right and it'll flow and it'll be so second nature you won't think what you're doing here you'll just feel it and the same with everything we do practice makes perfect you want to be a perfect you got to look to jesus author and finisher of our faith the consistency then becomes the desire oh, i want more of this and desire matures into delight i love this discipline follows and this is the discipline is the benchmark of a disciple you can't be a disciple without having discipline it's the same word so if you're going to be a disciple you better be a disciplined person and finally they they all merge into the love of i love this and there are people who have fallen so far into the bad habits of life they now love them but Christ comes in and says i break every chain every chain every link in every chain i can break trust me and as believers our lives have to be fashioned by Christ not by trends not by temptations of a fallen broken world because we're bombarded all the time through all manner of evil often disguising itself in promise and program oh you got to get into this program you got to try that thing we promise to do this for you come on in and the doors are always frighteningly open when jesus was being um tempted in the wilderness the enemy came at him in a number of ways specific ways but you'll know his answer was always consistent it is written he knew the word i mean he was the living word but he knew scripture he knew the word of god he could quote the old what we call the old testament he knew scripture and the devil would come and he choke do something and he it's written you shall serve the lord your god only it is written it is written it is written and he crushed the enemy's temptations and they fell like a stack of cards because he said it is written well it is written that christ has conquered death and has risen from the grave and is interceding for you trust that let me whiz on quickly consistency read the word it is written read it read it reread it quote it speak it out loud until it is part of your dna know it i'm intrigued once somebody came up to me and went well it says in the bible i thought and he quoted something i thought it doesn't say that in the bible and he quoted some hairy fairy idea i said it's not in the bible he said oh yes it is somebody told me i said if you read it well no i don't read the bible well don't quote it at me if you don't read it you know so know the word because it's going to be so important to you it becomes the potential of our habit and i want to leave this more than anything else i want to leave this thought with you today that habit comes from the word habitation and habitation means where you live if you want to live in failure practice bad things if you want to live in hope practice hopeful things in christ 
Where you practice and what you practice is where you end up living. It become, Your habit becomes your habitation because it's habitual. Break the word down. It's not difficult. Habitual becomes your dwelling place. Moving to desire. Psalm 51 says, Behold, you desire truth in the inner parts. Not externally. Oh, I can quote this. I can say that. I can pretend to be that. It has to be on the inside of you, who you are. In the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. You see, you can't live and entertain the void. A void will always be filled with something. David wrote these words. You desire truth in the inner parts. It has to be in here somewhere. In the who you are part of you. And Jesus in John 17 says, and let me give you his words. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Don't ask the Lord, oh, take me out of all this. He says, no, you conquer it where you are. It will be a greater testimony to my power in you. If you conquer it where you are, than asking me to bail you out every five minutes. I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Know the word. It is the strongest thing that you can do. Have a desire for that. Make that desire your greatest goal. It's where you choose to live. On to discipline. To follow Christ, you have to be a disciple. It's where the word comes from. You cannot be a disciple and lack discipline. It's counterproductive. And a disciple is one who is willing to learn and willing to follow. It's not difficult. Learn and follow. What do you say, Lord? Then I'll do that. I don't find the Bible difficult. I, I, I find, kind of understand what it doesn't say more difficult than what it does say because God is not confusing us. He's not the author of confusion. This is the way. Walk in it. I, there's no problem with that, is there? Listen to Matthew 10. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. You haven't got to become Jesus. you just got to be like him. You think, oh, he could do so many things. He did things that were unique to him. He's asking you to believe that he's done it for you. And then it becomes the love of. When a desire becomes a delight and a delight becomes a love, then we have chosen the path we will walk. Because these things work on both sides. As I said, good habits, bad habits, they all fit the same criteria. What we choose to love becomes our habitation and where we live. In Revelation, let me finish with this. Jesus says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on the throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He says, this, this was quoted many times for people to get saved. Oh, well, tell him this. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. He wants, no, that's a word to the church, to his own people. He says, I'm on the outside trying to get in. I'm knocking. Let's get it together and eat. All you've got to do is open the door to me. And Genesis 4, 
intrigued me one day when I read it in conjunction with that verse. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. There are two people standing outside your door. The door of your heart and your emotions and your decision making in life. One is Jesus and the other one's the enemy. And they're both knocking. And it's your responsibility who you open it to. If you want to open it for the things of God, then open it to the knock of Jesus. And he'll come in. He says, and I'll eat with you and you with me. He, come, he doesn't come empty-handed. The enemy says, I've got nothing to give, but I've got everything to take. And Jesus says, let's share. Good and bad are at the door. And you alone have the right to open it and say, who comes into where you inhabit? That is your life of habits. And I'm going to close with this quotation. 2 Corinthians, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I wonder if you could stand with me just for briefly before I hand back. I would not dream of asking people to stand or put their hand up if we want to break bad habits. That would be too intrusive and too for, me, for me to do and too embarrassing for you to respond to. But there are times when we've got to make a, a decision what we're going to do. And so with us all standing... I'm going to ask you in the quietness of your own heart to start to talk to the Lord. And if you are talking about the good habits that you have been fostering in Christ, ask for more. And if you have been practicing things that are bad habits that have been counterproductive to who you are in Christ, ask for less. And then commit to listen to the voice of the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is our teacher and he will lead you into all truth. And that truth will set you free. And that which is good in you will, f will flourish and, and, and f find the favor of God. And that which is bad in any one of us will start to shrivel and fade away. Until we see him face to face. And so I want to pray over you this morning. Heavenly Father, for every heart represented here this morning. Every desire, every delight every consistency of practice. If it's good, let it grow. If it's not good and was never meant to be in our life, let it shrivel and die until there is nothing left but you to fill us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. And call, we call you our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer. And in that, our very life will give you praise. Let us break the habits that are bad and foster the ones that are good in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we thank